This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take command after a Commander's win. It's the third straight time we can say that. This team is somehow at 500, but Logan Paulson, I don't think anybody feels particularly great about it. Uh, the joy was certainly felt in the moment that Terry McLaurin catches that football. But even Ron Rivera postgame, a little bit muted, saying, hey, like we, we can't keep making some of the mistakes. John Allen postgame saying we, we made things harder on ourselves than we needed to. Uh, ultimately, though, they do come out with a 17-16 win. If nothing else, this team's got some grit. If nothing else, they've proven they can find a way. Although the task gets much, much harder against a good Minnesota team next week. But in your eyes, like, what are the biggest factors in how they're able to beat a uh, pretty equal to them Indianapolis team today? Yeah, I mean, I was just jealous before we got on the call, and I think you you kind of alluded to some nice stuff there. I think they did make it harder on themselves, and they had to. I think at times, specifically, the offensive coordinator got, I think, a little bit conservative, not crazy, but I, you know, like I think when you see at the end of the game when they're kind of when they had to move the ball and they kind of got in in passing formations and they're able to kind of dink and dunk and Taylor was able to move around. I think you can lean into that a little bit more. I don't think you need to be like always running the football. Like I look at the, um, the fourth and short play, for example, and that was like a little bit frustrating because like I was listening to the broadcast and they're like, Oh, we should run the football here. Fourth and one B Rob's been doing great. And I get that, but literally every person they said he was doing great. He was averaging like three yards a carry prior to that. I think prior to that touch, he was doing okay. I think he was like in that four and a half, five yard range. And then he kind of had that stretch. The whole offense did where they were kind of running for no gains or whatever. So I think um, when you look at that, you say, I, if I know that, if you know that, you better be darn sure that the Indianapolis Colts know that. So let's pull something out of the bag that we feel really good about that allows us to kind of, that gives us some options instead of just downhill. So I think that kind of, uh, that was something that really stuck out to me. Um, obviously, the interception was was not good um, by Taylor. I think that just came at a really inopportune time, and it you know essentially was um, I'm trying to remember it was nine to seven, right? And then it was uh, sixteen to yeah, and then they came back and scored off of it to make it sixteen seven right uh, before the Commanders were able to put together a couple of drives, uh, field goal, and I like the decision by Rivera to go for the field goal there as opposed to trying to push your luck getting a touchdown first. Just take the field goal and then and then trust in your defense that they can stop Sam Ellinger, and they did. I mean, the running game though was brutal, uh, pretty much all day outside of right. Curtis Samuel. Um, Heineke and Samuel tie for their leading rusher in terms of yardage. Uh, they each have 29. Robinson's got eight carries for 20 yards. It's two and a half pop. Gibson felt like he had some stuff going at times, but then gets a bunch of no gains. And I guess his long was only five. Um, but he I think there was some pass two, game there that, that added yeah, to that. Yeah, 
Yeah, so 2.7 yards per carry. Gibson does have seven for 58 in the past game, including an 18-yarder. So he definitely got his touches, but, I mean, it's just a, a it's a weird game, man. It, it felt like they both at times were moving the ball and getting nothing, then just absolutely doing nothing. Um, but it also felt like they were trying to do some of their stuff that we like. Like, they, they got Samuel... Uh, let's see. He's got four carries on the game, which is always, you know, to use our favorite term, the canary in the coal mine. Like they're trying to do some of the stuff. They're trying to get Terry the ball and they just they couldn't. Um, and Indy's defense is good. They deserve a ton of credit. Um, even some of Terry's catches, uh, he gets tackled pretty immediately, except for one of the big one that he has early. Um so you credit Indianapolis and you credit Washington's defense for doing something they hadn't done all year, which is create turnovers. But it's just it's a it's just a weird game, man. And I don't I don't think anyone comes out of this feeling awesome. So I think you know I can tell you're not super stoked on the game, but like I think I leave the game optimistic. You know I think there's uh, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. I think the turnovers are big, like getting that uh, fumble in the red zone, the fourth down stop, like all that stuff. There's some grit there. There's some stuff going on there that I think like you alluded to, and you can't win football games if you got a team that's got a lot of quit in them, right? And you get a little bit of lucky, got to be a little bit of good, a little bit of lucky. And I just think like, you know, like let's just take this this drive, for example, right? There's there's this like small margin of, of error offensively for this group, right? So like there's that screen that they run to Terry on, I think it's second and 10 that gets blown up in the backfield and it's like second, third and 15 afterwards. Like mm-hmm. those types of plays, if you go through the sheet, those are the types of plays that kill your drives offensively. So I think there's a lot to be learned there. There's a lot to be gleaned there. If you're Scott Turner kind of saying, I don't need to outsmart myself in these situations. Like you said, there's some stuff that he did that we really like. I think Taylor did some nice stuff, especially in the uh, in the end of game scenario. And I think you see kind of what the mobility brings. He has a couple of scrambles there that, you know, he's able to stop the clock. He's able to get a first down. Like those are significant things. The, the defense, I thought, Obviously, they gave up a couple of big plays. Like there was that big play to Alex Pierce on the scissors concept, which is tough. But again, like they're able to get a stop there and hold them to three points, or was that the fourth down one? I don't remember exactly what, but they were they did a really nice job. Yeah, I think that I was think. Uh, I think that was uh, one of the turnovers actually. Yeah. So um, so I think they they just deserve credit. Like this is an ugly yeah. win, but it's no, a win, and I think um, totally. like the defense the defense came out and they knew this was going to be a conservative game for them. And they were able to kind of go toe to toe with Indy's defense. And Sam Elgar got some plays in, and that's fine. And we knew in the pregame show that was going to be part of it. And then it was good to see that Taylor was able to respond. And so um, I, I look at Tennessee, for example, right now, and they're they're winning ugly. Every week is an ugly win, but a win is a win. And and for a staff that for a staff like this, um, you know, with Ron and everybody kind of being on the hot seat earlier on in the season, to get back to 500 is absolutely huge for this team. And I think. Um, you know, you say Minnesota's coming in, they're a much better football team, but I do also think that they can kind of grit a win out there too. I think it's just going to look could. different. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, this is why I'm so torn on this football team because like they've won three in a row, they're 500. Like they deserve a ton of credit and Ron, his ability to keep teams together is really amazing. But if, if I had to guess, and I don't mean to be a downer, like right after a game, but I, I feel like this is a lot like last year where it's like, you start bad, you get good. But it's a little fluky, and then it's just going to catch up when you eventually play better talent. And for a team that's, and and I guess this, Logan, is my frustration and why I struggle so much to make sense of this team. They have a lot of talent, especially offensively. Like, Terry McLaurin is incredible. 
Curtis Samuel's really, really good. Um, some of their tight ends are pretty good football players, and obviously their running backs are talented. And so when you see these offensive performances that are so incredibly lackluster, and the, even when they result in wins, which is a credit to their grit, I guess here's my struggle is like, is it a credit to their grit or is it a, an indictment because they're having to rely on their grit when they should be able to do more with the talent based off what is here? And I think that's where I struggle to make sense of it. But there is no question that they deserve credit. Like on a human level, they deserve credit for their grit. Taylor Heineke deserves a ton of credit for his short memory. Like that's a, I mean, it's a bad pick because uh, it's a really bad decision that's made worse by the fact that his arm gets hit and the ball floats right to Shaquille Leonard and he picks it off. Um, but I don't know where he's throwing there. Cam Sims has three guys and another one coming into the picture already on him. Um, so it is a bad decision, even if his arm gets hit. Um, and that's the reason it's ultimately picked. And I just, he just bounces back and, you know, after the interception. So that was a, I mean, that was literally on the first play of the drive. So it's a one play Zero yard interception drive. Next drive is 12 plays, 82 yards for the field goal. Then nine plays, 89 yards for the touchdown. You can't bounce back better than that. And so he deserves credit for that. But it is, is it also some level of indictment? That they keep having to grind out these games against pretty mediocre or maybe even not good NFL teams. So I think, you know, when you look around the NFL, a lot of teams are having these same conversations. It's not just right. the commanders. This is kind of this, like, you know, you're either the haves if you're, you know, Kansas City, Buffalo, or you're the haves-nots. And I think right now we kind of fall, you know, begrudgingly into the have-not category. But you got to find ways to win football games ultimately. And I think, you know, I, I do think that there's this philosophy that Ron is trying to impart, that Scott's trying to embrace of this run-first philosophy. And when you are kind of walking this razor's edge of that run-first philosophy – uh, no gains, losses, penalties become catastrophic. And we've talked about that before. And so you see that a little bit early on in the game. Like I mentioned the screen to Terry, you know, there's a, like a, I think they incomplete pass on first down. It's second and 10. They try to run the ball. There's no gain. You're third and 10, right? Like those are the types of things that become very, very detrimental for you offensively. And I think um, like that's where you got to kind of figure out you know, I, I was talking to Linnell and he says, be who you are. And he wants them to run the ball more, all this stuff. But when you are this kind of run the football type of group, um, I, I think they're more than that. And I think kind of finding where that tipping point is, right? Where, because I think at the end of the game, you see kind of how dynamic the group is, how, how good the playmakers are. You get a catch from Cam Sims. You get a catch from right. uh, Curtis. You get a catch from Terry, obviously. And I think you see, um, obviously, um, to start the sec the first drive, Gibson has two catches back to back to go for about 30 yards. Like you see how dynamic this group is. And I think they have to realize that they, I think they think they're a, like a Mack truck, you know, they, right. I think they think they're You're not a Mack truck. They think they're, I think they think they're Tennessee and then, but they're a little bit more than Tennessee. They're different than Tennessee. And I think understanding where that is, because I think you have elements of what Tennessee does well. I think Brian Robinson's excellent. I think Gibson's excellent. I think you want to get them as many touches as you, as you can, but you shouldn't, kind of yoke yourself to that philosophy. You need to be able to depart from that. And I will say, you know, early on, like I think um, the Colts deserve a lot of credit for kind of getting under stuff and, and clouding windows. And, you know, they get, they get a sack on the first uh, three and out. It's really four and out because I guess Gibson runs for a 20-yard gain on a catch underneath. But those kinds of things, you know, are 
are significant. Like they did some good stuff in the second half. I felt like uh, the Colts had some, some nice changes that took away the flat stuff that was great in the first half. So all of those things are important, but in order, I think it's just, I think fans should be very optimistic about where this team is at because like, it's hard, man. It's hard to go and have a fourth down conversion. It's hard to have two fourth down conversions. And I understand Ron's sentiment that they made it way too hard because that the Colts team, I think they're a very good defense and I think they have some sneaky good playmakers. So I think Ron is maybe being too hard on the group. Yeah, just for clarity, John, John Allen said they made it hard for themselves. Ron said there's basically, uh, he talked about like some of the third downs and guys doing their own thing. He's like, we got to cut that crap out. Uh, but I don't think that's verbatim direct quote, but basically, and he did, he did throw the crap in there. Um, so, you know, that's not me putting salty, putting salty language. Yeah. I I believe that's what he was referencing in that quote. And Ron also did say, um, that there's some stuff on film where players will realize where they can just, there's stuff available that they got to get cleaned up. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. And that was one of the risks of coming into this game. I, you know, I, I don't want to be like revisionist history here. Like one of the issues was what kind of offense are they going to run with Sam Ellinger? And it looked mm-hmm. drastically different than it did with Matt Ryan. It, it elevated the running game, the play action pass, the RPO stuff, the quarterback read. As much as you want to prep for that, it's different because they ran it out of some different formations. They did some different stuff. And I think overall you say, wow, they did a nice job kind of, you know, handling that adversity. And I think, Indianapolis ultimately is a better offense with Sam Ellinger at the helm this week. But I think as teams see more of him, their offense is going to struggle even more than it was with Matt Ryan. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, no. When they get like the commanders, this is what was scary about this game and kind of what you just said. Like you just didn't know what you were going to get. Not that you thought it was going to be amazing. Not that if Sam Ellinger was going to be a world beater, but you know, in a 60 minute game with a finite number of possessions, if it takes you one too many to figure out what they're doing, that's, that's how you lose. And they figured it out one possession soon enough, kind of, I guess, or we're able to hold on one possession soon enough. And then defensively, uh, they they figured out what the Colts were doing one possession soon enough. Uh, yep. they, they got those last two in there to ultimately push them over the top. And, you know, I think there's they just they just didn't leave themselves a, a lot of margin for error. And I guess I don't know, man, like I, I hear you on. I, I guess here's we disagree, which is something that does not honestly happen that often um, yep. where I I see you and you're co- absolutely correct to give them credit for the grittiness. I don't think that that necessarily means you should be optimistic. Um, like I like the character of this team. I don't love the scheme. I don't love how they use the talent. And I do think that, and I, I don't love the way it's, it's coached. Like I don't like a lot of the decision-making from like the head coaching philosophical role in terms of, you know, late in the, the first half, they continually first half after first half end of, end of uh, half situations. They're not aggressive. And they have the playmakers to be aggressive. And that was so interesting. I when it really comes to like the match of philosophy and and personnel, it just seems like there's a disconnect. And it's why I said weeks ago and looked really smart for a couple of weeks. I'm like, they're a bad football team. Let's just yeah. say it. Um, I don't necessarily think they're a bad football team because I think bad football teams have character issues. And I, and I will continue to stand on the fact that this team has great football character led by Terry McLaurin, led by John Allen, led in part by Ron Rivera as well. Yeah. The competitiveness and never say die attitude. That is what he is best at and has been over his career. But I still don't think they're good. Um, and unfortunately for them, I think they've got some good teams coming up that and and I don't I don't have a lot of faith in them to beat good football teams and 
that gets into like the interest, not that we need to have this now, but I do want to have this discussion on Wednesday's show, like the discussion we had on pregame about like, okay, well then what's the point? Like, do you, do you really go for the seven seed or, or, you know, higher if, if the giants falter, they lost today, et cetera. Um, or do you look at this as a developmental year and mess around a little bit with some personnel and, and do some of those things? Like there's, there's larger questions to be asked here, but in terms of this game, I think, I think it's a hundred percent fair. If you're a fan, be happy. You won. Winning's really hard in the NFL. And I know as a former player, like that's got to be part of your, your equation as well Is like, you know how hard it is to win in this league. And anytime you win, you don't really care how at the end of the day you, you won. Um, but it, it, removing myself a little bit from that, I guess I just look at it as they are good enough to beat the Colts and the, the Packers of the world. That's probably who their peers are. And the teams that are even a level up like the Vikings, who might even be two levels up, um, I think they're really going to struggle. And you know, if they played a team like the Bills or the Chiefs, like that would be ugly. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your debt. Your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So I, I kind of I think I understand your criticism a little bit better now. And what what I would say to you um, is that yeah, like are they a great football team? Probably not. But what I do think what, what what you see in this game is the ability to I know they had their feet to the fire a little bit. The ability to make big plays when they had mm-hmm. to, right? And like get the ball to your playmakers. I mean, obviously the play to Terry at the end is like phenomenal. Um, the play early to Terry, I think is great too. Like understanding conceptually what the defense is trying to do. They're running that drop out cover three. He's underneath in a one-on-one situation. Love it. Get him the ball. He's great after the catch, all that kind of stuff. So I think there is some good stuff there. I do think that they're still finding themselves offensively. I think it's also important. Like you look, I think everyone has this tendency to say, look at the skill position players. Look at this. They're limited on the offensive line, right? So in terms of offseason things that need to be addressed, that's probably something that can be improved. And also, like as much as people love Taylor and as much as I love Taylor, he's limiting that group too. So mm-hmm. when you're calling plays, when you're calling an offense, like that's a huge variable about what you feel comfortable executing with the quarterback. But I do think that, and I, and I hate to bring Carson Wentz into this, but I think comparing this offense now to what it was with Carson Wentz, at least you see – a functioning NFL offense. Yes. And I know that's not necessarily like the highest bar to clear, but that was something that was concerning to me. And so now I see this and I say, okay, like on that last drive, they're able to cultivate some really nice throws, open throws on deep in cuts, which I know this offense really like thrives on to Curtis, to Cam, right? There's one to Terry in there too. Like that's excellent, right? That's It's good to right. see that, that there's that intermediate passing game, right? Um, you know, getting Gibson touches, getting Curtis touches, getting B-Rob touches, 
distributing the ball. Like that's another thing that, again, to me is the sign of a healthier offense. Now, I think the other thing is like this team is not going to win pretty because they've got a lot of things they need to clean up. Obviously, the turnover by Heineke, there's like the protection we've talked about, like those things are still here. But at least now you can win a game that you should win, which is not what they were doing for the first. What is that? Like that first. They were two and four. So right. that, first that four, stretch like after that. Yeah, that stretch of games. You were kind of like, man, like I just think about Detroit. I think about Philadelphia. I think offensively now because I think mm-hmm. the defense has been playing well enough. And ultimately, this is the formula, right? The defense, that, I think, that part is 100 percent true. Like defensively, they they can hold their heads high and be like, you know what? We're a good NFL defense. And I think that's what people are forgetting is that the defense this is what the defense could have been against some of those better teams if the offense was even had like a pulse. The offense was mm. completely dead on arrival. So the fact you're getting some life from the offense and it's sporadic, obviously, you know, there's the touchdown drive, which is cultivated largely off a of big play to Terry. And then they kind of go dead for a little bit. The thing before half, I'm totally with you. We're in lockstep on that because I'm like, who, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to get to half without a turnover or are you actually trying to score points? Because there's there's a there's a different speed like i feel like they were in first gear get to third gear you don't need to be going five thousand miles an hour it's not two minute call the place you want get in the stuff you want to get in but there needs to be a little bit of urgency and i didn't understand i didn't understand that approach really i I didn't either and frankly uh terry slash taylor bails them out on the the last drive as well. I didn't think they were moving fast enough with enough urgency on that drive as well. It's like, get going. Well, then when you chuck the ball 50 yards down the field and your hero of a wide receiver comes down and makes one of the best catches you'll ever see, then, uh, well, you ate up a chunk of the field in an amount of time that allows you to, to win the football game. Um, and it winds up working out. But don't forget, they score that with, what, 22 seconds left? Yeah. And, and you so, know, like, that, and they were, at, they, the play before that, they're at the 50-yard line. Like yeah. that's that's scary stuff, man. Like, but also, they're not like, they're not well coached in situational football. It also, seems I, like. I think the other thing that's incredible here is like the learning experience, right? I know you have one timeout, so the situation is a little different. But just saying, hey, let's quarterback sneak it, let's make it happen. Like, I think that shows yeah. a maturation from the Tennessee game, right? Mm-hmm. It's to say, hey, let's just go for it. And um, and again, like they they did a nice job in in that situation. Yeah, and I was watching in fast forward, so I don't know how long it was actually taking you between steps. But they were bailed out. There was an injury timeout. They used yep. two of their timeouts. Uh, so there was some kind of clock. That injury timeout was huge, right? And so um, I, I think I think and again the four, the composure on the fourth the both fourth down conversions I think is can't be understated. And that's mm-hmm. what you got to do to win games, you know. And I think yes, they're the middle of this game offensively for this team was not very dynamic. And I think, again, it falls into that, that weird pit. If you're a run first team, you all are always walking this edge. You're always on the fringe, right? Like look at Tennessee. They're a perfect example. They are a run first team. I don't think anyone would deny that the second they're in third and 10, third and nine, it's like, you know, they're going to punt. Like that's the risk you run when you're a run first team. And that's who Ron wants to be. And I get that you have good personnel there, but you need to be, a little bit more than that. You need to blossom yeah, a little bit just, more. Just because your defense is good doesn't mean your offense has to not try. And like you, that's that's the frustrating thing. I know not try is it's hyper, hyperbolic, but like yeah, your defense is good. So let your offense take some risks. The defense will, will come up and they, yeah, they might give up something here and then, and it might be a little frustrating that you put them in a bad spot on occasion. But you're probably going to wind up putting them in more good spots because it doesn't feel like every possession is the possession that could cost you the game. It's not not trying, I don't think. I think it's so like 
you know, I, I'm, I'm at the high school now. I, I do the run game stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not not trying. It's more what are your limitations and how do you work around them in a right. safe way? And so I think when you look at this team, you say, I don't feel comfortable getting in a lot of drop back passing situations. And again, I think there's a little bit of scar tissue left over from the Carson Wentz experience where like you literally couldn't drop back at all because he was feeling all sorts of pressure, right? And so I think the offensive line has gotten better with Heineke. I think Heineke's elevated them. So I think branching out from that is part of it. So you're insulating the offensive line and also you're insulating Heineke. Like I think people think he's like this tremendous playmaker and he is and he shows flashes of it and he deserves all the kind of hype and credit he gets for this game, but he's limited as a passer. He can't do everything in your playbook. He does the little stuff well, which again, you saw it in the second half of Green Bay. You saw it on the two drives here, his ability to be like a point guard and facilitate the football. But I think they're always kind of calling from a a place, calling the game, at least from my appearance, like from my standpoint, early on from a place of fear. Like we can't let the offense lose it because our defense is good enough. So, but I think they've got to just, I'm not saying they need to go from a four to a 10. It's like they need to go from a four to a six. Right. And I think if they did that, and that's a tough line to walk now. I'm not saying that's easy, but if they do that, I think they're I think you don't even I think this criticism is unwarranted. But I, I feel your criticism. I feel what you're saying. Because like when they had to turn it up, they turned it up, you know, in a in a situational way. But again, like the reason you're there to turn it up is because Heineke turns the football over after your defense has played absolutely lights out pretty much for three quarters. You know what I mean? Right. And then all of a sudden that turnover, you're like, well, here we go. And then, then you kind of then you go from a four to a seven or an eight, and it's like, okay, well, we can be in between there. We don't have to be at these extremes of the poles. I think right. First forty three thirty five of the game because uh, they uh, Colts scored with four twenty five to go. Um, first forty three, or actually no, was that when the Commanders kicked the field goal? Um, the first until the last last two drives. I'll try to not put a timestamp on it. Um, <laughs> they ran forty plays. Yeah, forty. And then they ran 12 and then nine. So, I mean, that's that's part of this too, is like they, the problems become like self-fulfilling, if you will, where sure. it's like, hey, uh, if you guys were more efficient, you'd run more plays. Yeah. Well, if you do some of the more aggressive stuff, you'd be more efficient. And if you and weren't it's... so predictable, you'd be more efficient because you'd be better and better is good. And I think people hear the word aggressive and they think, oh, we need to be taking play pass shots. We need to be going no. down the field. It's just like, what is what is between screens and intermediate passing game? Like that is kind of the, the void I'm talking about on these right. first and second out plays. But like you can do, you know, you run run a boot and let Taylor dump the ball off for seven yards. Like th- well, that I think kind that was the and- thing early on. If you remember, they did they they ran a boot, and I think they get spooked by stuff. So they ran a boot. Defensive end kind of stays home, and they blanket the they blanket the thing, and Taylor has to throw the ball away. You're in second and ten. When you're a run first team, that's basically death. You know what I mean? Because you run the ball on second down or third, yeah, second down, and then it's third and eight, and you're like, okay, well now what do we do? So I think they get spooked by some of this stuff early, and it's, it's like, just about just run it again. Yeah, try it again. Yeah. Or run run a quick slant. Get yourself seven yards on a quick slant. Like your entire play, second and ten, your entire playbook's still open. Um yeah. but this is something that last year there I um I can't remember the stat, but it's when Warren Sharp was on with us, he talked about this. They were like sixty percent of the time, uh, if they were second and ten after an incompletion, they ran the ball. And it's like you don't have to be that you don't have to be in third and seven. Yeah. When you run the ball for three because they know it's coming, you could you could pass it two times in a row, and and it's that kind of stuff that I think is frustrating. I think I think, I think, I think we'll also 
there's that other thing that spooks you where it's like i'm i'm like i'm thinking about okay yeah that's exactly right but then what if they incomplete it again and then it's third and 10 you know what i mean oh my god we might go three and out which we're gonna do anyway if we run the ball into a brick wall (laughs) and then have an incompletion on third and seven like who cares but that's you can but i mean i think we all can feel that right we can all can feel that apprehension like oh god here it goes and then when they get cooking they get cooking and it's great and everything looks like even the touchdown drive i know it was like the first one was a big play but then the way they handled that pass like immediately to gibson they just were on rhythm and on time and you love how that looked like that's how it should feel that wasn't like a crazy hard throw for heineke the the touchdown pass to gibson it's just about knowing right. where the ball should go and playing into that and i understand having a defense guessing having having them be off balance yeah, and I think they 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 did do that, but I think there was probably after that drive, and then they did a little bit of it before the half, but it was annoying how slow that was. And then there was like that swath of the third quarter where like nothing, where it was like three three and outs in a row, and that's where that gets it annoying. Was, yeah, two question. two three and outs in a row followed by the interception. Right, and I think that's where it gets a little weird. It's like why did you hit that doldrum there? And I and again. I think teams know who this team wants to be. And they say, if we stop the run and we force the ball to Taylor, like what is the response? And I think in the uh, Green Bay game, Scott did a good job of kind of, again, they ran the football well, but they also did a good job of saying, here we are on third down. We like these plays and Taylor executed them, uh, executed them well. This week was not like that for a good chunk of the game. All right. Um, I don't want to get sidetracked and have another, we could talk about this for 20 minutes. Um, and it's a conversation a little bit for down the road. However, um, I saw them talking about it on NBC Sports Washington post game, and so I'm just going to ask you quickly: Is Taylor Heineke the starting quarterback for this team for the rest of the year as long as he's healthy? That's a really good question, and we could talk about this for a long time. Um, I'm Your initial say- gut reaction is a post game pod. It's for for everyone listening. It's 8:56 on Sunday night. If this podcast isn't over by nine, then I think Matt's going to kill us both, and I think he'd be <laughs> right to do so. So we're going to make this quick. No, I don't think so. I think because Carson I- Wentz comes in or Sam Howell comes in. Yeah, because Carson comes in. I think okay. I think they. I think you. That's put- and that's your prediction, not what you would do. That's not what I would do. And that's not even really my, I, I don't like predictions, but I'm just my gut. You know, I'm listening to my stomach. It's growling right now. I haven't eaten dinner. And it mm. says, Logan, they invested $28 million in two draft picks in this guy. They got to make sure they got to give him every opportunity to see if he's the guy for the future. And if he's not, it's a huge, it's not a huge mistake, but it's an expensive mistake. It's, it's an expensive mistake, but you want to know what you should do when you fail? You should fail quickly. And yeah. uh, I think it's in my, my opinion, it's obvious that that was a failure. Based off what Taylor's to be able to do with an even de- uh, depleted or more depleted uh, group line. of weapons uh, and offensive line, because Jahan hasn't played these two games. Sure. Carson had Jahan, and that was his his guy, um, and he didn't have any of the snaps that Carson had in in the entire offseason. And yep. he's got 15 games of starting experience and a bunch of years in the offense, but he didn't get to work with these guys. And so to me, uh, it's, and JP said this, and so did B Mitch and Santana and all those guys, they all said, yeah, I would just stick with Taylor. And I agree with that uh, at this point. Um, I think Carson, Carson just not, wasn't it here. And you you say, Hey, thanks. Thanks for your effort. And, uh, Colts, you're going to get a third rounder, not a second rounder. And you move on and Carson costs you nothing to move on from God. Second rounder. Oh, that's so steep. Jeez. Um, but yeah, they, the, it'll be a third cause he's not going to play 70% of snaps. Right. But I'm saying like the fact that, that, that was, that was even on the table is a right. little bit like, and you were okay with it. But I guess if, if you think that's a quarterback of the future, then, then why you're not? fine with it, but he's not yeah. right. And I, so I think that I, what I would say just from 
casual discussions I've had around the building that they want to know for sure. And I'm not sure if they know for sure. And they seem to want a lot of data. God, well, that would be such a mistake if they brought him. If they, if, but it's if only five comes, games, though. It's what is it? Five games? How many? How many games did he play? Five games. He played five, but man, they were bad. And he had the whole like part of the reason. Okay, we have one minute and five seconds left. <laughs> part of the reason you pay that man all that money and you give up all that stuff is so he does it immediately. Like You're these right. games, yep. those those yep. five games counted. Like yep. you don't you don't get to just be like, oh well, we need more information to see if maybe in the future he would. He's almost thirty years old and he's right. costing you a lot of money and like these guys aren't getting any younger and your like, your regime is not getting any younger either. If you're Rivera, like you're at next year's year four or five. Yeah, and I th- and I think the tragedy there is that you're still you're still in the same position that the Indianapolis mm-hmm. Colts are. Is who is it? It's not Sam Howell right now. It's not Taylor Heineke now. You're not going to be in a good position to get a good to draft a quarterback. So what's the solution? And I hate to be talking about this today, but yeah. that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, uh, I think it's a conversation for in a couple of weeks when Carson's eligible to come back. All right, we did it. Uh, we're done by nine o'clock. Uh, that's it. That's all for this edition of Take Command. Uh, hopefully you like it and you subscribe wherever you're listening right now if you haven't already or on YouTube if you're watching us. And uh, oh God, 56, 57, <laughs> end of pod. 